Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, welcome back to Hardcore Church Planning. This is Peyton Jones, your host. I never say that, but let me tell you about the guest. My guest today is David Joannis, and that is J-O-A-N-N-E-S, and I'm on here with him today because he has bugged me mercilessly. If you want to get on the show, hit me 20 times and ask me to be on this show. No, I'm teasing. Um, David has just reached out time and time again, very, very consistently and tenaciously. And so my nickname for him is Tenacious D, which he supplied. And uh, that usually tells me that this guy is doing stuff uh, because that's an apostolic thing to keep bugging people. It's just what you do when God has called you to frontline stuff. You got a hard head. You're ready to just go through any wall at full tilt. And so, David, um, I don't know if that was a great intro to you, but I'm sure it's factual. So <laughs> welcome to that, the show. Thank you. Thank you, man. That That is probably the best introduction I've ever, ever had. It kind of gives me this image of me charging hellfire with a squirt gun and, uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I think you hit it right on the mark. Tenacious D. All right, we'll go with that. Well, so David is the founder and president of Within Reach Global, and he serves to advance the gospel in some of Southeast Asia's most difficult places. So uh, in addition to that, um, David, you have a book coming out, The Space Between Memories. It's already out. I've got a copy of it. And uh, my wife saw it recently, and it does have a fantastic cover, I got to say. Um, but my wife looked at it and said, that looks really good. And she said, where do you get all these books? And I said, well, people send them to me. But uh, they, I have to admit, I said, to you, you know, that, that, that book has a great and fantastic cover. And it really is, uh, you've told me uh, when we were chatting, that it's a memoir about places uh, really, it's a memoir about the journey that you've been on. So I want to start with that journey. I want to first start by saying, how'd you come to faith? And then if you want, kick straight into how you got involved with mission work and church planning. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, I was born and raised actually in a Christian home. I'm the oldest, eldest of eight children. Um, yes, we know what caused it. Uh, no, we're not Mormon. Uh, the answer's keep coming. <laughs> um, but you know, I was born and raised in this big family, uh, learning scriptures and memorizing Bible verses. And somehow along the way, I remember seeing Ron Luce of Teen. You remember Ron Luce acquire the Fire Teen Mania Ministries back in the day? Sort of. Yeah. Well, they're taking teenagers all over the world. To back up a little bit, I was three years old when I looked at my mom in 1981 and said, "I want to bring bread to the kids of China." I told her, and uh, you know, I don't know why I said that, little three-year-old kid. Fast forward 12 years later, I'm on this mission trip smuggling Bibles from Hong Kong into China. I just turned 16 in Hong Kong, but we had all these code words. 
uh, you call the tracks, little gospel booklets, crumbs, and the Bibles we call bread. Mm. And I remember taking these Bibles, loads of backpacks through the labyrinthine customs areas, turnstiles, and taking bread into China. And man, that is the day that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to give your life for China. And I, I just, for the last 20 years now, I've been, I've been stuck in China, <laughs> serving the unreached and untouched people groups of the 1040 window. That's totally rad, man. So, um, you know, it's interesting because that actually is why I wanted you on here because okay. you specifically specialize in planting and hard to reach places, difficult places. And for me, um, I'm doing a shift away from really like authors and big names to people that are on the ground doing it with this show. Um, and, and you happen to have a book and that's cool. And if yeah. you like what David Joanna says today, remember his book is the space between memories. We'll tell you more about how to get that at the end, but I want to hear your story, man. Like I want to hear what are you guys doing in Southeast Asia? What are you seeing? Yeah. You know, you're, you're right. We're in these hard to reach areas and, I mean, for the last, seriously, two decades, my wife and I have been getting on the top, getting on the overnight sleeper bus 24 hours into the bush as far as the borders of Myanmar, Vietnam, Cambodia on the China side, showing up in the middle of nowhere with these old school maps and just asking in Chinese, have you ever heard of Jesus here? And you, Peyton, you'd be amazed at the answers I get. I mean, I get is that a brand of a soap? And literally, they have no concept of what in the world a Jesus is. So we've been raising up these new disciples from people who've never heard of Jesus, this massive spiritual hunger. And over the years, we've been able to build this team of church planters who are local, indigenous to the area. And I mean, Along the way, there's persecution. I was I've been interrogated 22 times in China, um, wow. many times with my local missionaries and church planting in these unreached. And, and when I say unreached, I'm not talking about you know the guy down the street who doesn't know Jesus. I'm talking no known churches, no known Christians, Christian bookstores, radio broadcasts, no access. And so I've just been amazed to see these local missionaries rising up alongside us and tackling the unreached world for Jesus in these uh, very rural regions. I've got a theory, and my theory is the more frontline you go, the more like the book of Acts it becomes. Mm, yes, you're absolutely right. And in that, you're going to see healings. Well, I mean, even if I talk about our local missionaries, <laughs> the qualifications for many of our team members, you know, these these passionate young people, one guy got delivered of demons. He's foaming at the mouth, stands back up, gives his life to the Lord. And now he's reaching unreached people groups. Another guy is the son of a witch doctor. You know, one of our other girls is a former child soldier. This is our missionary team. And so, yeah, it's, it's raw and rugged and Sounds gritty. like Jesus is man. Well, he had a I zealot like there. He had a, you know, he had a Mary Magdalene out of whom it comes seven spirits. I think you're doing something right, brother. <laughs> yeah, well, thank God he uses weak and foolish, unassuming misfits, right? Uh, pff, there'd be no help otherwise. <laughs> and let's be honest, he really doesn't have anyone else 
to choose from. So. That's true. Although we, we, we brush ourselves up a lot uh, and hurt ourselves. We try. <laughs> so, all right. Well, man, that, that's really, really cool. So, um, looking at church planning today, um, obviously you've written, you're obviously fluent in Chinese. That was pretty nice. Yes. Yeah. You have written a book in English. You have a message to the, the, the English speaking church, the Western church. What, what would you speak into the lives of church planners listening to this today? Coming from your context, being on the front line of mission, what kind of things do you see here? And what kind of things would you say? Yeah, that's a great question. And my context is very different from the Western church planting um, model. I mean, one of the biggest things is to be tenacious. Yeah, there's that apostolic calling. But as a learner, you're constantly seeing where is God moving at this time and joining him there. And so you might have these you know, there's been many times I go to a certain area, I want to reach out to this certain tribe, and they're just not hungry at all. And I think sometimes you just got to readjust. And seeing where God is at work and then joining Him there, obviously, that's something that I'm constantly trying to put in focus. Um, uh, man, so many stories are coming to my mind right now. But just taking this this tenacious spirit and yet tempering it with a learner spirit has been something that's very, very powerful to me. And when you do that, it seems like these miraculous happenings start to occur and people walk up to you in the middle of nowhere on the top of a mountain in China in my context and said, Hey, I saw you five years ago. And then ends up this crazy story of how he gets saved, leads 21 people to the Lord. I was not trying to reach that area or that people group. But suddenly there's 21 people knocking down my door saying, we want to be discipled and learn about Jesus. And so there's this learner shift and we see this whole breakthrough among the Yao, Y-A-O tribe. And had I been kind of set in my ways thinking, you know, this is the place I'm going to reach. This is how I'm going to do it. This is my target demographic. I would have totally missed the opportunity to, to, to see an unreached people group come to Jesus. So uh, it's so funny that we're having this conversation now because on our other church planner podcast, we have church, the church planner podcast, which is from church planner magazine. We actually were taking apart first Corinthians nine talking about what does it mean to be all things to all men that you reach some. So it's really funny because we were talking about that whole idea of target demographics and mm. You know, what, what's God's heart where, you know, Jesus for a time went to the Jews, but his broader plan was to hit all Paul strategically went to the Jews first, then the Gentile, like we were talking about all this, that there is a strategy, but really there is, this is a Holy spirit thing. You can't limit what God would, would want to do. And so we actually were telling people, really, if you want to experience it, there's strategies, but there's also the heart of God. And you might think you're going to one group of people and God detours you to another. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I love that. You know what I love? I love thinking about that kind of treasure hunting style. It kind of puts you in the back seat, and the Holy Spirit leads and he takes you to places that you did not expect. But man, if I could tell you all these stories of just supernatural things, revivals, 
Tell us, man. Let's hear him. Oh, well, okay. Don't hold back, and my audience will write me angry letters. Yeah, yeah. Let him tell that story. <laughs> I'm, I'm just baiting him in to get the space between memories, you know, recollections from a 21st century missionary. Yeah, baby. No. Cha-ching. That, well, That's what we do here. Cha-ching. Yeah, I like that sound. No. Um, yeah, you know, that story. It was, it was 2004. I'd been married for three months. My wife and I get down driving 24 hours. We're on top of Yao Mountain looking for the Yao people. According to joshuaproject.net, completely unreached. And I'm driving around all day looking for the Yao people. Cannot find them anywhere. So the second day I go back, I'm, I'm, it's 48 hours now. I've been driving around these hills. And, you know, I'm just ticked off at this point. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And I'm thinking, why did you bring me here, Lord? Finally, I reach out the side of my window and say, hey, you guys, y'all, they say yes. And so like, this is, this is where we're stopping. I'm not going another second, but these young guys are totally uninterested in the gospel. However, just around the corner, this guy shows up and says, hey, I saw you five years ago. This is 1999. And he saw me with a group of Christian missionaries. He uh, heard us pray and say the word Amen. Five years later, I'm sitting there. He gives his life to Jesus. I have this word of knowledge. He breaks down in tears. I said, get in the back of the truck. We're taking you back to the main city. So we drive 24 hours, disciple him for two months, and send him back and just say, make disciples. That's it. And uh, then he leads his brother to the Lord. Two months later, we disciple him. We send him back, make disciples. Three weeks later, they have 21 young people who've never heard of Jesus before that day. And now they're like dying to learn more about what in the world this new life is all about. So now that was the first of our six outreach centers at Within Reach Global. We do church planting, discipleship. And last time I was there, just last year, all our local missionaries who are now Yao people are taking me from mountain to mountain to mountain where I drove around to all these church plants. I mean, it's just re- remarkable. And That's rock and roll, man. Yeah, you know, not- I don't know if the guy that I talked to was Yao or not, but I was recently in an Uber. I think I shared about this on our other podcast, but I was in an, I got an Uber in downtown Burbank and a guy drove to pick me up and he was a young kind of hipster, um, Chinese immigrant and he, you know, he asked me what I did and I, you know, I'd been up since 4 a.m. was pretty grumpy, didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> and I just shut him down. I said, I'm, I'm a leadership trainer. And he looks in the rear view mirror and he says, what kind of leadership trainer? And I said, you know, so now I'm busted. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I train people to, to plant churches. And he said, uh, he, he looks in the rear view mirror and says, do you, believe God still talks to people today. Well, it turns out this guy, God's been talking to him and I'm a psych nurse. That's my background. And I'm doing an assessment on him quick. He's not crazy. You know, God is talking to this kid and he, you know, we pull over. I, I, he comes to faith, you know, he, he confesses Christ and um, on and on. But we still sit there talking, you know, for another 20 minutes. And cause I've, I've got to get into assess these church planners, but I'm already like 45 minutes late now. Um, and, and I, 
I say to him, you know, he, he tells me already hardwired into him was God had already been to- telling him he was going to go back to his people. And he, he just, he didn't know it was Jesus. It was like God was talking to Cornelius. I was like Peter coming along going, well, let me tell you, you know, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. But he already was having hardwired into him missionary work to go back. And he had been telling me about, you know, they're crazy. I mean, when I was there, I was, you know, we were into the DJ and, you know, we did weed and we did this, but he goes, they're taking crazy drugs there now. He goes, these people's lives are being destroyed. And he's like, and I think I'm, I'm supposed to go back and tell them about God and just blew me away, David. It was like before the guy's even saved, God's telling him he needs to go back to China and reach his own people. He just doesn't have the gospel yet. Yeah, that's that's what I love about this new position. Many of the audiences listening today is in. They're these greeters. And so in your church planting movements, make sure you're targeting the unreached people groups who are showing up at your doorstep. Hey, you don't have to take a 24-hour bus and get diarrhea on the top of a mountain with me in China. Thank God. Uh, that's not a fun invitation to hang out with you. Yeah, yeah I should have I should have worded that differently. I, I think I failed on that in, invitation there. <laughs> join join within Reach Global. Come on out. See the world. Climb mountains. Share the gospel. Get diarrhea. How's that? That's I'll, exactly I'll send you that clip special. I, I was actually wanting to write a podcast, 10 Reasons You Should Never Go on a Within Reach Global Mission Trip. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that's that might be one of them. You know, I've, I've eaten with headhunters. I've ministered to witch doctors. What were you eating? Sorry. I, I, this is a serious podcast. I apologize. <laughs> I know. We can we can easily divert here. I can sense bunny trails just calling me. But yeah, you know that that's what we're whole, the whole conversation's about, right? This this kind of idea where we know where we're headed and yet the Holy Spirit's like, "You know what? I got something a little bit better in mind." And then this guy picks you up in Burbank or whatever everyone's story is, right? Absolutely, man. And and so tell me when when you go there and you drop off and and you're, you know, you're there with these people that think Jesus is a soap and you're talking to them, um how long do you spend with them? What do you do because I know you mentioned discipleship and, and evangelism. What do you do? What's the next steps? You're talking to them and you do they say is jesus a new brand of soap i mean where do things go from there paint us a picture yeah yeah seriously the first thing you do is you wander around the village until someone invites you in for tea once they do that that right there is the man or woman of peace and later in the afternoon the whole village is going to show up and you're going to have a, a an audience to share the gospel with and literally they have never heard this before and uh, I like, you know, just recently, Alan Hirsch was on uh, one of the podcasts, and I always like what he's talking about discipleship before evangelism. Mm-hmm. We almost kind of do that first. We start with discipleship, like Jesus. Hey, come follow me. And we, we've got a we've got a um, two year course and a four year course, but it's really just life on life, and it's simple, basic stuff. I mean, you ask these people. So do you believe in Jesus? What is that? Well, who's your God? And they point to a big tree or a big rock. You got to start back a little bit farther in the story. Mm. And 
learning Chinese, you know, you get to know the culture and, and so into their lives. And, but as far as hunger evangelism, I mean, you're kicking these trees and the fruits just falling down. There's such a spiritual vacuum in China right now. And that's what I love. God is at work, man. That's rad. So tell me what, what is it like? Uh, what do you guys do for, um, within reach global? Do you take short term trips? Do you recruit missionaries? Um, for our planners listening here now, I mean, they're, they're hearing they're probably many of them contacting or making a connection with you here for the first time. Um, where do they get in touch with you? How do they, what, what, what would you offer to them as a, as the, the a ministry within reach global? You know, um, you could go over to withinreachglobal.org and that's our website. Uh, there's so many options. I mean, yeah, we're looking for volunteers on the volunteer opportunities. You could stay right at home and use your skills, whether it be blogging, social media, you know, et cetera, graphic designer. Um, we have lots of short-term trips. In fact, eight days ago, I was sitting on top of a mountain. We were slaughtering a goat and reaching an unreached people group <laughs> for Jesus with a team of 20 people from Northern California. So we always have teams um, short-term vision trips. Uh, we have opportunities for long-term missions. And basically, I'm just looking to see where people want to partner together. And they say, hey, I got this skill, you got that one, and let's try that target. The whole goal, the whole heart of Within Reach Global is, is that 2 billion people have never, ever heard the name of Jesus in the 21st century. Mm. That That is just crazy to me. Our priorities have not been able to impact all these unreached people groups, and we keep feeding the same people over and over, those with access to the gospel. So that's our greatest passion, kind of just say, hey, the final frontier of missions, man, is is taking place. Do you want to be a part of end time harvest? And and uh, so, yeah, within reachglobal.org, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. And I'd love to connect with anyone. That is very cool, man. Well, um, I, I know our listeners are wanting to hear a little bit more. Talk to me about um, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit as you've stepped out and done some of these things. What has that been like? How has he turned up in a special way and met with people as you've been faithful to the call? I know he's faithful to show up. He's faithful to be there. Like, that's where he promises. You go and I'll be with you. You know, how have you experienced the the power and presence of the Holy Spirit on mission? There's a million stories I could get into with that. And you're absolutely right. Um, one thing that one particular story that comes to mind immediately is there's this one girl who started coming to our, our English Corner outreach. We have 250 college students coming every week. And, uh, her story was told in the etches on her arms. She tried to commit suicide three or four times. And what I see when the Holy Spirit shows up is lots of dreams in the Buddhist Islamic context. Dreams is how the Holy Spirit speaks, right? You've heard that. Right. And um, this girl is not a believer, although she's surrounded by her discipleship group. And she has this dream. She's sitting next to this tall guide with tall foreigner with a beard, she describes. I know it's Jesus. She doesn't know it yet. And 30 children in a circle. And he squeezes her left hand with his right hand and says, 
I am holding you, my daughter, in, in my right hand, and I'm sending you to these children. And that week, she gave her heart to the Lord, and we discipled her for about a year. Right now, this girl, we'll call her Bright Eyes for the sake of a pseudonym online. She is overseeing, she, she's reaching um, a thousand orphaned and underprivileged children every single week in 74 villages all over these mountains. And it, it just comes from this, this suicidal girl who, who didn't have a hope, but there's these dreams, Holy Spirit dreams. And she's one of many stories. You know, I'm actually going to China in two months from now, and I'm officiating her wedding. And so uh, we're, we're really excited about that. Um, but when you kind of leave room and opportunity for God to speak, instead of us always telling people what to do, that's when I think the Holy Spirit power shows up and says, hey, I know how to assess the situation. I know how to take care of it. Although there's going to be some quirky things along the way and it's going to be gritty. Hey, when you do people ministry, that's how it always is, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we are, we are running out of time, but yeah. what have been some of your failures and hardest lessons learned since hitting the field? Oh man, again, um, a lot of times I've done certain things that have caused repercussions, uh, sometimes persecution, sometimes, uh, not realizing what I'm saying in multiple languages, um, not understanding the reality of cults in the area. And these are all been good intentioned things. I said, God, I want to reach unreached peoples. But, you know, when police are breathing down your neck, you're, you're, you're not always able to do that properly. So some of my, my biggest failures, I think, is thinking I could do things the way they've always been done. Mm. And then, persecution comes and I'm interrogated yet once again, and the whole ministry feels like it's falling apart and I feel like a failure. Um, but somehow God scoops up the pieces. That sounds like church planning in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good, man. Cause you know, I'm, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I want our church planners out there to know that it's okay to mess up and make mistakes. Paul did. The disciples did, and he still uses it. And part of, you know, the people changing on mission is us. If, if, if in fact not the main, uh, people changing is us. You're right. And so, you know, David Joannis has been my guest today. He has written a book, The Space Between Memories. <clears throat> Be sure to pick that up. David, where can they pick up your book? It's on Amazon. It's on iBooks, just just a search on Amazon, and you can get it on there. The Space Between Memories, Recollections from a 21st Century Missionary. And uh, I, I know that you're not an IMB missionary, but since we uh, have this question at the end of every podcast, um, I would like to pit you uh, against a, a, a very special uh, contender today. This is our final question. We ask it every podcast. Of course, the challengers always change. But if you and David Platt were to get into a physical fist fight, who would win? 
it would be me easily, but I would throw in some MMA moves and put them in a rear naked choke. Oh, yeah, baby. That's what I'm talking about right there. All right. That's Sorry. Me easily. I love that answer. That's Sorry, the smack Pat. talk we're looking for. All right. Love you, buddy. All right, man. <laughs> well, have a great day. Thanks for coming on. And uh, this has been Hardcore Church Planning. Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.